Falcon. It is showtime on the happiest podcast on earth. Today, we'll be talking about the NFL draft. I'll be joined by my good friend Greg. For the record, I am Tommy, and I do the hosting around here. And we're not going to get bogged down grading players or talking about any of that silly kind of shit. No, no, no. Our focus is entirely on the people who bring you the draft on the television and on social media. Everyone from Dion Sanders to the advanced analytics crew is going to get a kicking today. So let's get started. Joining me now to discuss all things NFL draft is my lovely and dear friend, Greg. How are you? Doing well, Matt. Doing well. Glad to be back on the pod. Uh, looking forward to the, to the chat about uh, all things NFL draft. All right. Well, let's start at the start then. How much mock draft do you consume coming into the draft? The only really mock draft I took a real look at was Mike Mayock. I really think he's probably, of all the talking heads, He's the one I think that's the most informed. He's usually generally right about things with players and stuff. You know, he's, he seems to be the best at it. I can't stand hyper anymore. I didn't even watch ESPN. Funny you mentioned that. I, uh, I have no real interest in the mothership at this point in time. I love the fact that because I don't consume any of uh, Mel Kuyper's content, I still want to make fun of him. I want to say something shitty about him. So I, I went and attacked his looks, which is a pretty crappy thing to do, but I felt good about it. I felt, I felt like uh, making fun of his hair was cool, even though I didn't really even know what reference to 50s sitcom horror families it was supposed to be. <laughs> but I like Mayock too, man. I saw him on the uh, NFL Network. So what about Dion? You believe in Eli? Is Dion somebody who adds to the broadcast or doesn't add to the broadcast? I can't, you know, I, I, I used to like watching the NFL Network show at night after all the games were over, like the highlight shows. But literally now it's just an hour of Dion calling all these guys, talking about what they're wearing, and then just saying, you ball, you got to get the call. Really? Is that a thing? If you ball, you're going to get a call? I don't watch any of that shit, so I had no idea. But I did see him like not really know the players' names or anything. He's like, I was like, wow, did he invest a single second in doing prep? Apparently not. But it's hard to make nope. fun of him because I don't know if you know this, but Tony Romo once took a shot at him saying that he couldn't tackle, and Dion fired back and just blew Tony Romo up. Man, I got a gold jacket that I didn't buy. So he's got the gold jacket. So step back. Yeah, it's. T- I don't want to come at the king, but I, I'm not sure that Dion was really adding a ton to my draft experience. You believe in Eli? It was hard to have a dry eye when they did the the Griffin tribute after he got taken by the Seahawks. Yep. I don't know. Do I want to talk about the guy with one arm? Is that a good subject? I just wonder, you know, intellectually, to be honest about it, yeah, I, I was pulling for Shaquem Griffin because he does have one arm. Am right. I supposed to not address it? So it's kind of like breaks out into these little camps where, you know, he himself said that there were coaches that told him he can't play because he doesn't have it. Right. You know, that's a dick move. It's like, dude, let the kid play. Yeah. I definitely would never fall in the camp of telling him what he can or can't do. But I think it's just normal in human nature. I want good things to happen to him. You would think that my heart's in the right place, but is that really an undeserved sense of pity? Am I pitying him? I don't think anyone would debate. It's more difficult for him because he doesn't have a fucking hand. 
But, I mean, do I pull for the drummer from Def Leppard to win a Grammy because he doesn't have an arm? <laughs> right. Maybe that's a bad analogy. I watched that piece that you talked about. It. You know, it's like, okay, he's got onions in here. He overcame so much to, you know, to even go to college. You know, and he even said he was on the, the practice squad for the college team and then, you know, turned himself into a conference player of the year and got himself drafted. I mean, great story. I mean, as human beings, maybe Jim do want somebody like that to do well and it, you know you want good things to happen to good people and he seems like a good kid you know I, I think it's I think as humans we generally tend to root for those and of course obviously I think there's some level of you know feel sorry for him because he only does have the one hand but yeah absolutely and I guess that's all I was saying is that I don't, I don't want to do something that's disrespectful and what I mean by that is I don't want to throw pity at this kid that he doesn't need or want but I do want to respect the story all right, let me flip over to a, another player that I definitely want to discuss. Wait till you hear this awesome Josh Rosen jam. Through the miracle of post-production, I'll insert the jam right here. There were nine mistakes made ahead of me. Nine, nine, nine mistakes made ahead of me. There were nine mistakes made ahead of me. Rosen faced the spike in the end zone. Touchdown! Nine mistakes. Nine mistakes. Nine mistakes. The legend of Josh Rosen. Whoa! There were nine mistakes made ahead of me. Nine. Nine. Whoa! There were nine mistakes made ahead of me. Whoa! Now you won't be able to hear that until the final show posts, but trust me, the Josh Rosen jam that I made was truly spectacular. I digress. Go ahead, talk him up. Well, you know, it was it was funny because he was the, probably the one that I wanted the most, only because he seems to be the most pro ready. I think Darnold is going to be another Mark Sanchez. I think he's going to play him out. Uh, Allen, you know, he played at Wyoming. He didn't have a lot of talent around him, so I mean, you really can't judge him too much. I don't think he's going to come out that much. Hell, I, my opinion is no better or worse than any of those hot heads. And you know, but what I do is I just look at it and say, okay, you know. Where number one, where did the kid go? And I think for Darnold and Allen, they went to two terrible places to play. Hey, look, the Browns and the Jets have spoken, so I am now positive that Josh Rosen will actually be the best quarterback. If you give the Browns and the Jets a chance to fuck up a quarterback evaluation, they will not disappoint you. They'll go ahead and take the yeah. worst possible fucking guy. There were nine mistakes made ahead of me. Nine, nine, nine mistakes made ahead of me. There were nine mistakes made ahead of me. He had an inflatable hot tub in his dorm at UCLA. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Oh, my God. So the way it got discovered is a UCLA co-ed, or at least my understanding of how it was discovered, uh-huh. is a UCLA co-ed posted on Instagram a picture of her in the inflatable hot tub with Rosen, and the comment was, sad face, he still hasn't called. Well, you know, the, the only thing that I'm worried about with Rosen, to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, he, he seems like it seems like a perfect fit, but then again... Matt Leiner was a perfect fit 12 years ago here, too. I mean, we, mm. we drafted a number 10. But I, I think I think what the difference is is that Leiner, when he was in, obviously at USC, I mean, he was – I mean, hell, they were the pro team there for those that five, six-year run when, you know, they were winning almost, winning almost, almost all their games. So I think he came in with this, you know, my shit doesn't stink and, you know, I'm the man no matter what. Whereas I think this Rosen kid, he even said, you know, somebody asked him what's the difference between him and the other quarterbacks. He said, I'm the best. <laughs> I love I'm, it, man. I'm better than all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so now I just hope that now that he's got that out of the system, he just comes here, gets to work, 
And again, I'm not, you know, I don't wish ill will on anybody, but if, if Bradford plays more than one game, I'm going to be pissed. I don't know why we signed him. It was a stupid deal. We didn't need him. I would rather have Stanton and let Stanton start the first four or five games of the year and then be able to go to Rosen. But you're out of control right now. Bradford, <laughs> I, if you want to hate Sam Bradford, I want to clear the road and let you do that. But when you steer the vehicle into Stanton Street, I got I got to jump in and pull you back a little. It's it's funny because we play the Rams the second week of the season in L.A. and I think that's what I think the Rams are just going to kill them. Honestly, you know, with Sue and Donald and that that whole defense. I like the I, way you're talking right now. So not only do you have this outrageous amount of disdain for Sam Bradford. You know, trying to couch it as, you know, a good person wouldn't wish injury on someone. But if Sam Bradford just, you know, happens to get hit by a bus, that would be not something I would spend a lot of time crying about. Uh, so now that you've couched up your opinion that him getting hurt would be awesome, you've actually circled a date on the calendar when you expect it to happen, and you're already working out the yep. scenarios. I really, really <laughs> like the way you're approaching this. Um, props, man. I All I can say is good luck. Uh, hope your guy gets hurt. <laughs> Thanks, man. And like I said, I think a lot of that's nonsense. The hot take-a-thon that is the NFL draft produces mm-hmm. a ton of social media content. And his name was Seth Walder, and he is uh, a self-described on his Twitter profile a sports analytics writer for ESPN. Okay. His take was, if I were the owner of the Giants, I would fire Gettleman without hesitation before round two even begins. His answers reveal a lack of reasoning that can only be bad for the franchise. Okay, so there's his take. And what he's talking about is this positional value thing. Well, see, that's just the thing, especially with, uh, you know, with the analytics people in, in any sport, really. I mean, you, you know me, I'm very much you know, into hockey. So you, in hockey, you have general managers who basically think analytics is a bunch of shit. And then you have the, the Kaiser general manager who, is, who basically founded an analytics firm, a company, and that's the person I can respect is that, hey, you know, yeah, you have your analytic model, you have your formulas, you have your whatever, but number one, they're not always going to be right. Number two, you're not always going to be right. And number three, there's so many other things that can happen that you take into account that just unknown variables that blow that stupid formula out of the water. I mean, if they, so that, that idiot writer who was calling for that guy's job is just a moron. You know, oh, well, you didn't follow my model, so you should be fired. No, you dumbass. <laughs> He did what he felt was best for his team. There's nothing wrong with somebody just saying, hey, oh, they took Sam Darnold. That pick sucks. I think he's going to blow. That's fine. That's just somebody's opinion, and they're saying it. The kind of the disconnect for me, at least, is when they say, you know, oh, well, I've got the logic and stuff on my side. It's a very small-minded approach to things. Like, in real science, everyone starts with the assumption that, hey, you know what? We always have to keep in mind we could be wrong. So as we right. go about things, let's let's not lose sight of the fact that we might have crap assumptions in our baseline, which is throwing our entire model off. And somewhere along right. the line of the chip on the shoulder for the, you know, whatever the nerds or, you know, oh, fuck, man, I play into it. I, you know, jokingly call them stats bros. It's like, oh, hey, stats bro, mm-hmm. will you, why don't you tell me the exit velocity of Aaron Judge's last home run? Because that's super fucking hot stuff because i'm going to be able to run down to the sports book and use that to get ahead it's like right. it's, it's all this stuff has really limited utility it's kind of a lot of descriptive stuff but descriptions are cool that's part of writing and it's it's fun and mm-hmm. analytics it it shouldn't have 
probably become such a polarizing thing. There's a lot of guys that work in analytics that just say, hey, I've got a model and it says this. If I was the Giants, I would have moved away from Barkley and taking this. And it's like, okay, that's a fucking legit thing. But that's kind of not how it gets phrased. Back to our boy, uh, Walder, it's always, this guy's an idiot. And it's so disrespectful out of the box for somebody who actually has NFL GM job. I mean, look, I get it. It's not an especially difficult concept. If you have positions on the field that are more valuable, then focusing your draft resources on those most valuable positions is a really good default. You're trying to create an efficiency. However, there are a lot of variables that should and do move teams away from a positional value assessment. But... Of course, here comes stats, bro. They're trying to hit everyone over the head with a hammer because they think their model applies categorically when it just doesn't. Yes, some positions are more valuable. But if you've got huge questions about whether a guy can actually play the position, then it becomes a lot more logical to invest your resources into a player that has more certainty of being able to compete and succeed at the highest level, even if he's not playing the most valuable position. And that's also not a very difficult concept to understand. But for whatever reason, these stats bros are just so tuned up about their metrics, they lose their shit. And taking Barkley was perfectly reasonable. There's nothing wrong with it. So, yeah, analytics can work for you and it can be a model. But I think what a lot of people have learned is that, hey, yeah, analytics plays a key part in a lot of things. But it's not the end-all, be-all. And just because your model says X doesn't mean I'm going to do X. You know, that you shouldn't be sitting there saying, oh, I, I, he should be fired. That guy's just a fucktard is what he is. You know, just write something like that. It's stupid. <laughs> well, you do have to cut through a lot of noise on social to get your point across. So maybe he was just trying to, you know, increase his viewership or whatever. And I don't want to yeah, begrudge a guy probably. that. But... Um, some of these guys seem awfully thin-skinned and sensitive for people who start throwing around, this guy's a moron and he should be fired, or this is a, you know, that's a bad pick because it's not supported by logic. And it's like, well, I'm not sure the science that they have is so strong that they can come, come out firing with the you're an idiot stuff. I don't, I don't think the science supports that. I'll try not to belabor the stats bro point beyond that. I just think that, um, (laughs) To the extent that the the situation kind of played out in 2007 in that draft, the Raiders take Jamarcus Russell, and if you apply this universal positional value theory as far as like those four pillars of having a quarterback, a tackle, an edge pass rusher, and a shutdown corner being like the yep. the four pillars of a great franchise, you get the Browns take Joe Thomas in that draft, so they hit the lottery. There you go. There's a walk in Hall of Famer, but Absolutely. the Cardinals missed with their left tackle swing, Levi Brown, and then, of course, the Vikings at seven take Adrian Peterson. I'm cherry-picking one draft, but it really does explain that if on your board you have Adrian Peterson as a a near certainty, he's not going to bust. You know, how accurate was your assessment that this player is going to excel at the position? Is a 50-50 chance on a position that's more valuable, a better pick than a 90% certainty on a less valuable position. That alone is enough to kind of blow up the whole theory. I mean, you can't apply a positional value universally, 
because you're not weighing certain other really important things. Like how likely is it that this guy's going to succeed? So if you have, you know, Baker Mayfield as a 50, 50 chance to succeed and you've got Barkley as a 95, five chance to succeed, obviously Barkley's the right pick. There's a dude who I follow on, on the Twitters. He asked the question, would you rather have any of the four big quarterbacks or Marshall Fox career? Snap call, wow. right? Yeah, snap call. You take Marshall Fox career. Right. You take the known commodity. Yeah, absolutely. And the closer to known your belief is, because again, all of these things are just belief systems. There's garbage right. in, garbage out. You're only as good as your base assumptions. Tying back to the previous point, let's kind of be a little bit more intellectually honest about how wobbly some of those assumptions are. Like you said, I mean, you can go back. I mean, you can pick the 2007 draft. You can pick any draft. The, the, you know, the, the analytics would say, take this person, but they chose this person. That's what they felt was best. And what we're talking about, 19, 20, 21, 22 year old kids here. And so you never know if for, for anybody to come out and like say with certainty, Oh, you have to take a quarterback if they're there. Well, maybe the Giants didn't think that any one of them would fit their franchise. And that, that's their, you know, now they have, now they have to live with it regardless. So it doesn't, you know, so saying, no, he should be fired. But I remember correctly, I think Gettleman got them. Got the Panthers to a Super Bowl, so the, the guy kind of does know what he's doing. Kind of like you said earlier too. You have to circle back. You know, Bill Belichick. He 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 plays the draft like a fiddle, but he's not always right either. Yeah, they've pooch screwed quite a few drafts. Yeah, so you could be a great coach like he is, a great personnel guy, you know, and have the draft unlicked, but you're still going to make mistakes. So you know, for for somebody to you know, I know we're beating this guy up pretty good, but. For somebody to say that you should follow this analytical model, you should follow the positional value bullshit. Go fuck yourself, man. Really, just go fuck yourself. All right. Well, I think we've uh, done. A, I think we've done enough damage for one podcast. Any uh, closing thoughts? No, I said I, I'm really. I know it's a year away, but I'm really interested to see again what the Pats do next year with all their picks, and you know, see what Brady's going to do as far as he's going to play one, two more years. I'm really interested to see that. You know, hopefully these next two months go by pretty quick and get back to football. Yeah. Well, I don't want to rush through the summer just to get to football because there's certain things in the summer that I like, but I understand that you've sentenced yourself to a life of misery. My heart goes out to you, but those of us over here living the good life want to slow the days down, not speed them up. (laughs) There were nine mistakes made ahead of me. Nine, nine, nine mistakes made ahead of me. There were nine mistakes made ahead of me. Rose and fakes the spike in the end zone. Nine mistakes, nine mistakes, nine mistakes. The legend of Josh Rosen! Whoa! There were nine mistakes made ahead of me. Nine, nine. Whoa! There were nine mistakes made ahead of me. Whoa!